Well, tonight is the third in our installment of Pray First, so I don't know if, uh, if you are as involved with the book or not, but it, the book is just a, a tool, but uh, if you haven't, you're still, there's still time. You can pick one up. It's a good guide for you to use year-round, not just these three weeks, but this is the third installment in Pray First, and so we're going through the Lord's Prayer as far as the different petitions of the Lord's Prayer. And so we're going to, first of all, first thing we're going to do is we're just going to go through the, through the petitions. So if you can put up the individual petitions right now as they're found in Matthew chapter 6. There it is. In this manner, therefore, pray, our Father in heaven. That's where we talked about it's based the prayer is based upon a relationship that we have with God. Hallowed be thy name. Talking about just entering into his courts with praise. So, and just honoring God's name, revering God's name, realizing that his name is a strong tower for us to, to run into. Go ahead. Your kingdom come. Having a kingdom mindset. Something that says... It's not about me. It's not about this world. It's about God's kingdom being manifest in this earth. Lord, let your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So those two are related. It says, let your kingdom come and let your will be done on the earth as it is in heaven. Newsflash, there is no sickness in heaven, right? There is no unforgiveness in heaven. There is no sorrow in heaven. See, he comes and heals all that and takes all that away when we go to heaven. And he wants that will in his kingdom to be true on the earth. Now, is it true right now? No. If it was automatically true, he wouldn't ask us to pray that, right? If it was already going to happen without our praying, he wouldn't ask us to tell us to pray that. Give us this day our daily bread. That's where we're going to start today. <clears throat> now, this is not a, a petition for you to pray for a loaf of bread. What, they're ta what, what this is referring to here is God supply our needs. God give us this day our daily bread. Now, if you look at the Old Testament and when the nation of Israel was in the desert, they had manna. And how often did that manna come from heaven? Every day. And could they save it overnight? No, they couldn't. It came every day. The only time they could save it was on Friday to Saturday because that was their Sabbath. The only time they could save it was one time, and that was from Friday, and Friday had to last them Friday and Saturday because they couldn't gather it. It didn't come on the Sabbath because God took the Sabbath off because that's what, he, uh, that's what was the old covenant. That's what he said to do. So give us this day our daily bread. You know, Luke 4.4 4 says... That man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God, or every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So it's more than money. It's our daily provision that we need for our life. It's more than just money. It's your daily provision. So whatever it is that you need in your life, that's what he wants for you today, whatever it is. Whatever you need, that's what God has for you. So it's all your needs. Philippians 4.9 says, But my God shall supply all your need according to what? His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. So 
according to what are your needs supplied, according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Now, last time I checked, the Bible says that heaven has streets paved with gold. So there is not a crisis in heaven. There's not a currency crisis. There's not a lack. There is no such thing as lack in heaven. So there is no lack in heaven. Therefore, as we prayed early, your will be done, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So therefore, God's will for you is to have all your needs met according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus, that you would lack no good thing, that there would be no lack. Lack is not your friend. I don't know if you knew that, but lack is not your friend. And there's nothing inordinately righteous about being poor. Now, nothing against you if you don't have any money, but God wants you to not be absolutely abject poverty. Okay, that's not God's will. God's will is that you have your needs met. If your needs aren't met, it doesn't mean you're a bad person. It just means that God still has some things to get to you. God's plan for you is to have your needs met. That's his plan. Psalm 121.12 says, I look to the mountains. Does my help come from there? No, my help comes from the Lord. So your help comes from the Lord, and he supplies every one of your needs. So when we pray, give us this day our daily bread, we're saying, God, you are Jehovah Jireh, the one who sees ahead of time, and you make provision for us. Lord, I thank you for the provision you've made for us today. I thank you that you've provided for every need I have, spirit, soul, and body. Not just money in the bank, but every need I have, spirit, soul, and body. I look to you to have that need met, and you're going to meet that need in my life today, that you supply every single thing that I need today. Now, that's good news. The next petition says, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Now, I want you to take that, what I've just been talking about, take it one step further and let you realize or let us all remember something, that is there is no unforgiveness in heaven. There is none. So his will is that there would be no unforgiveness on the earth because as, as in heaven, so be it on the earth. There is no unforgiveness in heaven. And that's what he wants on the earth. He wants no unforgiveness. So forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Forgiveness is a choice. I'm going to make some statements here, and then we're going to talk about this for a while. Forgiveness is a choice. It's a decision. Forgiveness is not a feeling. Forgiveness is a choice and a decision. It's not a feeling. If it was a feeling, then we'd all be in trouble. But it's a choice. It's an act of your will. That's what forgiveness, it starts off as an act of your will. You know, what forgiveness doesn't do, forgiveness does not make it okay for someone to hurt you. That, that doesn't make that, it doesn't make the other person right. It just sets you free from the effects of what they did to you. So when you look at this, sometimes people say, well, I can't forgive because what they did to me was so wrong. What they did to you was wrong. There's no question it was wrong. However, unless you forgive, you are going to suffer under that wrong and you're going to suffer in the consequences of that wrong as long as you don't forgive. We're going to talk about that more in a minute. 1 John 1.9 says to us, 
Very simply, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It's very simple. He says, just confess your sins. He's faithful and just. Doesn't mean you have to say a bunch of specific things. Doesn't mean you have to do a bunch of penance. All you need to do is say, God, I, was, I blew it there. I was off track. Now I, I want to get on track. Something as simple as that, what was just talked about earlier. God says, good enough, let's go. John 20, 23 talks about forgiveness. This is Jesus after the resurrection. He says to his disciples, if you forgive the sins of anyone, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. Now, someone could read that and they might think, see, God won't forgive them unless I forgive them. That's not what that verse is saying. I know it might seem that way, but if you read the, the context of that verse, that is not what that verse is saying. What that verse is talking about is if you forgive their sins, then they'll be released. But if you retain their sins, if you, forgive, if you refuse to forgive those that hurt you, you will retain the negative impact of that sin as long as you choose to retain or refuse to forgive that person. You will suffer under the torment, if you want to call it that, of the effects of that sin. Let me give you a little example, a little story from my own life. A few years ago, there was a, a, a person in the media that wrote some things and they used my name and they put it all over the papers and it was bad. They, they, they said bad things about our church, they said bad things about me, wasn't true, all kinds of bad things were happening. It was very, very hard on me to the point where I literally sat in a chair and cried at five in the morning because I had so much anger. I hated this guy, okay? And this is just a few years ago. I was just, he was attacking my character. He was telling, I had so much stress going on. I was on vacation. I was miserable. I sat in a chair at five in the morning and cried. And I said, God, I can't do this. And all he said to me was, bless him. And he said the guy's name. And I'm like, bless him? I want to hurt him. I don't want to bless him. I want to hurt him. He said, bless him. So I began to pray blessings for this person. I began to, I, I said, Lord, I forgive him. He doesn't even know what he's doing. He's just a pawn of the devil right now. He doesn't even understand what he's doing. God, I forgive him. I release him. I, I bless him. I, I, I started praying multiple times a day to bless this person. And you know what happened? After a couple days, I was free from the effects of that thing. Now, I came home from vacation, and it was still going on, but it didn't have the same impact on me. You know why? Because I had, re I had forgiven, and I wasn't retaining the impact or the effect of that sin on me anymore. Jesus had taken it away because he bore that for me. See, that's what I'm, when, when we're talking about forgiving, I'm not saying you have to say whatever that person did was right. I'm saying if you don't forgive, you are going to be tormented because with unforgiveness comes torment. I was tormented. For a couple days, I was miserable because I, I was so angry at this person for doing this. And 
was I, was I right to be angry? I don't know, probably not, but I was still angry, okay? So yeah, I had to deal with it, all right? So my point is this, those sins that you forgive, you can be released from, but you have to forgive. You can't hold on to them and expect to be free. If you choose to hold on to stuff, you're going to keep it and you're gonna, re you're gonna retain the effects of that sin. The, the impact of the sin that was committed against you will continue to affect you as long as you don't forgive. Now that should scare the bejeebas out of you. The impact of the sin that was committed against you will continue to impact you or affect you until you forgive. But as soon as you forgive, you know what? You can be free from the impact of that sin. Now that's good news because you can be free. No matter what it was, you can be free. Remember pastor's story about the Amish, that guy that murdered those little girls and the Amish forgave him. You know why they did that? Because they know this verse. Because this verse is true, that when you forgive, you get delivered from the torment of unforgiveness. Peter asked Jesus in Matthew chapter 18, Peter asked Jesus, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times? Jesus said, I don't say to you seven times, but 70 times seven. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven was like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts. And he had, when he had begun to settle accounts, he brought before him that owned him, someone owed him 10,000 talents. Now, I don't know about you, but that's a heap of money. 10,000 talents is, let's just call it $20 million, all right? I really don't know how much it is, but it's a pile of money, more than this guy could pay. So 10,000 talents, but he was not able to pay. His master commanded that he be sold, his wife and children, wow, and all that he had and that payment be made. The servant fell down, said, Master, have patience with me, and I will pay you all. The master of the servant was moved with compassion. He released him, and he forgave him the debt. So he owed him a, a bazillion dollars, and in those days, they could arrest you, throw you in jail, and sell you as a slave and your wife and your kids and everything you had, and he asked for mercy, and he got it. And it said not only did he give him time, it said he forgave him all the debt. But then that servant who had just been forgiven went out and found one of his fellow servants and who owed him a hundred denarii, which is a hundred days wages, 10 grand. He laid hands on him, <clears throat> took him by the throat and said, pay me what you owe. And the fellow servant fell down and begged him and said, have patience with me and I'll pay you all. Now you'd think that he'd remember that he just did that and he got set free. Unfortunately, he didn't remember. So when his fellow servants saw, so, but, then he, but he went and he threw him into prison till he should have paid the debt. When his fellow servants saw what had been done, they were very grieved and they came and told their master. Then the master, after he had called him, said, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. Should not you also have had compassion in your fellow servant just as I had pity on you? And his master was very angry and delivered him to the torturers until he should pay all that was due him. So my heavenly Father will do to you, each of you, from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespasses. Now, I want to clarify that. Because many times people think and they read that and they think, see, if you don't forgive someone, you're going to hell. That's not what that verse says. He says he's going to deliver you 
until he should pay all that was due him. And he also says he's going to deliver him to the tormentors. And what happens is the tormentors there are the effects of that sin to you. If you don't forgive, you're going to be delivered to the tormentors. For those couple days a few years ago, I was delivered to the tormentors. I was suffering under the effects of that sin. And you'll have the effects of that sin, and it will torment you. Because this particular verse is not talking about your eternal salvation. So you can't earn your salvation by forgiving someone. You can't unearn your salvation. You can't affect your salvation by forgiving or not forgiving. It's not talking about eternal salvation because that doesn't affect it. What it affects is the impact of your life right now and your fellowship with God and whether you're free from the effects of that sin or whether you're still under the, the negative impact of that sin. It does teach that our fellowship with God will be damaged if you don't forgive. Our salvation is based upon one thing and one thing only, and that's the shed blood of Jesus Christ at Calvary, and you're receiving that sacrifice. See, you don't earn your salvation by forgiving, and you don't lose your salvation if you don't forgive, but what it, salvation is earned by one thing. That's the shed blood of Jesus Christ. That's how, that's how someone gets saved. It's by grace You've been saved through faith, not of works, lest any man should boast. You can't earn your salvation or have a work, a good work of forgiveness, and therefore earn your salvation. No, that's not how it works. So there's two different types of forgiveness here. There's the forgiveness of sin, which was purchased by Jesus at Calvary. That is established. You're saved by grace through faith through Jesus Christ. And then you have the other issue of our interpersonal relationships, and that is where we bump into each other, we have mistakes, people hurt us, we hurt them, and that's what this is talking about. And you can be delivered from the negative impacts of your interpersonal relationships, but you have to, be, you have to forgive to be delivered from those negative things. There's, there's people here tonight listening that people have done horrible things to you, whether it was a father or a mother or a brother, sister, a coworker, an ex-husband, ex-wife, there's been horrible things done to you. And if you've forgiven, you know how you know if you've forgiven? It's not affecting you anymore. Because after a while, you know what happens? If you forgive, you can remember it and it's, and it's not gonna impact you the way it used to. If you haven't forgiven, you can still, you can talk about it 20 years later and it's like it happened yesterday. If that's the case, if you think about something or talk about something and it's like it just happened even though it was 10 years ago, you need to forgive. That's how you know if you'd still need to forgive somebody because if it's still impacting you to that degree, then you know that you need to forgive yet. You need to forgive as an act of your will. See, our salvation is based upon the finished work of the cross. John 3, 16, Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. We forgive not to be forgiven. I want you to write this one down. If you're going to write anything down, write this down. We forgive not in order to be forgiven, but because we are forgiven. It's the same thing as our righteousness is not because we do good works. We do good works because we've been made righteous. So we forgive not in order to be forgiven, but we forgive because we are forgiven, because we have been forgiven. So as we have freely received forgiveness, 
we need to also give forgiveness. But when you really think about it, forgiveness sets you free. When you, when you forgive someone, the other person isn't getting off scot-free. I mean, I've talked with people and they said, so that's it? We're just going to let them off scot-free? Now, there's no such thing as, you know, listen, God is the one who takes care of all that and he settles the scores and we, it's not our job to do that. The person that gets free when you forgive is not the person that hurts you. You are the one who gets free when you forgive. It's you that, that gets free, not the other person. You are the one that walks and you're the one that gets free. Unforgiveness in your life must be addressed, but we've got to address it from a place of love and acceptance, not from a place of, if you don't forgive, you're going to hell. That's not what I'm saying, okay? Although that scripture could be interpreted or maybe um, seem to say that, but it's really got to be from a place of acceptance that God loves you. He's, if you've made Jesus Lord of your life, you've been adopted into the family of God. Romans chapter 8, verse 15, it says, For you did not receive the spirit of bondage to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. That's Daddy. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. If the children then heirs and heirs of God join heirs with Christ, if we suffer with him, we may also be glorified together with him. If we've been adopted into the family of God, God's not going to throw you away because you did something wrong. Anybody who is a parent or anybody who is in a family knows that just because someone does something wrong doesn't mean they get thrown away. You don't throw people away when they do wrong things or do bad things. Okay, how much more does God not throw us away if we don't do everything just right? So we have to come from a place of acceptance and realize that, man, God loves us. God has adopted us. And man, I've been forgiven. So we focus on the fact that we've been forgiven, that God, you've forgiven us. And how can I do anything but forgive because I have received forgiveness? So freely I've received, I've got to give freely because that's the best thing in the world for me. Because if I don't forgive, my fellowship with God is going to be hindered. You know the difference between fellowship and relationship? Sometimes uh, a family member or like one of my kids, they'll do something when they were young, they would do something stupid or you know something that irritated me and we wouldn't have good fellowship, but they were still my son. And if they needed me, I'd still help them because we're still in relationship even if we're not in fellowship, right? You get the difference between fellowship and relationship. So sin doesn't affect our relationship with God, but it does affect our fellowship, our intimacy with God. So what we've got to do is we've got to deal with sin in our life, and unforgiveness is sin. So we, we do have to deal with it. You can't just wink at it and say, oh, it's no big deal. It is a big deal. Unforgiveness is a very big deal, but it's got to be addressed from a place of love and acceptance in our relationship with him and not from a place of fear because perfect love casts out fear. See, fear of hell may motivate someone, but you know what? If you motivate someone with fear of hell, they're eventually going to resent you 
Because they're going to say, really, you're going to go there again? You're going to just tell me I'm going to go to hell if I don't do this. Go to hell if I don't do that. Go to hell if I don't do that. You know, you always tell me I'm going to go to hell if I don't do whatever it is you tell me to do. And they're, they're, they're going to resent you because you know what? That's not relationship. See, God loves us. He loves us and he doesn't want to send anyone to hell. He wants us all to be in relationship with him. So we see the fear of hell will motivate some but really, the motivation that really is a lasting motivation is to understand, taste, and see the Lord, he is good. It's the goodness of God that draws people to repentance. It's his goodness. It's not, his, it's not the fear of hell that draws people to say, man, I want to live for Jesus. He's so often, he's so, he's so awesome, I get, to, I get my free ticket out of hell if I just walk with Jesus. You know, that's true. However, the joy in serving the Lord is not your free ticket out of hell. That's like the starting point. The joy in walking with the Lord is relationship with him, intimacy and fellowship with him. That's where the joy is. And that's what he wants with us. He wants to have fellowship with us. He wants to have intimacy. He wants to, he wants to walk with us and talk with us and lead us and guide us and, and be involved in every area of your life and help you and be there when you need him. And that's what God wants for us. It's not just a transactional thing. Well, if you don't do this, you're going to hell. No, it's he wants to have a relationship with us. And that's a daily thing that involves the word. It involves spending time with him. It's his goodness that draws us to repentance. So we talked about forgiveness. So I'm going to tell you four or five things that forgiveness is not, and then we're going to go through it. Forgiveness is not putting up with continued abuse. So if you're in a situation and there's abuse going on, Forgiveness is not just putting up with the abuse to continue the abuse. That's not what forgiveness is. Uh, if that's the situation and you're being, in a, if you're in a place where you're being abused, you need to get help, tell somebody, and get out of that situation if you're being abused. Okay, number one. So I'm not telling someone to stay in an abusive situation. That's not forgiveness. You need to get out and do what you need to do to get away from the abuse. Okay? Forgiveness is not just saying it's okay. I remember when I was, uh, uh, when my youngest son was quite young, he was probably six or seven, and uh, I was harsh with him one time. I don't know what was going on. I was harsh with him. And uh, I went up to his room, and, and he always was such a, he's such a kind young man, even to this day, he's the kindest kid I've ever known. And he was just, he, he was just doing something that irritated me, and I was harsh with him. Dummy. But anyway... He's a great kid. But so I went to him and I said, I'm sorry, please forgive me. And you know what he answered me? He says, it's okay, dad. I said, you know what? It's not okay. It's not okay for me to be harsh with you. It's not okay for anyone to talk to you and to be harsh with you like I just talked to you. It's not okay. Don't say it's okay. In fact, I need you to forgive me. And he goes, so what do you want me to do? I said, I want you to say I forgive you. It's not okay. What I did just now was not okay. And you need to please forgive me. And he goes, I forgive you, Dad. And that was, but I wanted to teach him a lesson that forgiveness is not just taking it and saying it's okay. 
Because if you just take it and say it's okay, you're validating incorrect behavior on the other person. So that's not what I'm talking about. Forgiveness is a decision. It's not eliminating the consequences. See, just because you forgive or you ask for forgiveness doesn't mean that the consequences will be eliminated from your life. For instance, just because you ask God to forgive you for speeding doesn't mean you're not going to get a ticket. Right? You know that's true. I found that out last October. Okay? I said, oh God, I'm going fast. I was going 70 to 55. Didn't even know I was speeding. I just didn't, I wasn't paying attention. And the cop knew I was going 70 to 55. He pulled me over and gave me a $125 ticket. So um, even though I asked God to forgive me, I still got the ticket. Okay? So just repenting doesn't necessarily mean you're going to get absolved from the consequences. All right? Forgiveness is not a feeling. It's a decision or a commitment to pardon. Forgiveness is not a guaranteed restoration of trust. Forgiveness, when you offer forgiveness or ask for forgiveness, it does not guarantee that you're going to have a restoration of trust in that relationship because trust is earned, not given. See, if, if someone restores trust too quickly in a, in a negative situation, if they restore trust too quickly before there's proven, there's, before there's fruits of repentance, you can actually, all you're doing is pretty much guaranteeing that the behavior will continue. Uh, so there needs to be um, fruits of repentance before uh, trust is restored in that. And it's not a self-righteous, well, I'm going to forgive you because I'm better than you. Okay, So it's not a self-righteous thing where you're coming from a position of, of, well, I'm better than you because I'm forgiving you. That's not really forgiveness. See, that's holding it over them. That's not really, really true forgiveness. So the other thing I can tell you is you can't wait until the person asks you to forgive. It's wonderful when they come to you and ask you to forgive you, okay? Um, that's, that's great. When they ask you to forgive you, it's great. But many times people will not ask you to forgive them, right? Anybody ever had that where the person didn't even acknowledge that they did wrong or maybe tried to blame you for what they did? It was somehow your fault? Um, those types of things are real and they're part of our lives. So the question and how we're going to end tonight is very simple. How can I forgive how am I supposed to forgive? How am I supposed to do this? Okay, I know I'm supposed to do this. I know that, you know, I'm not going to go straight to hell if I don't, but I'm going to be miserable and I'm going to have all this negative mojo like I got right now if I don't forgive. So how do I, how do I get rid of this? The first thing you do is you acknowledge the injury and the wrong you suffered. You, you got to acknowledge it. You got to say, you know, that which happened to me was wrong. I didn't deserve it. It was wrong. It was just wrong. That's all. You don't have to expound, but that's all. It's, it was wrong. What happened to me was wrong, and I didn't earn it. It was just wrong, and it shouldn't have happened. Next, you have to decide to let God be the one that gives vengeance. You cannot venge yourself. You have to decide to give up your right for payback. Because if you're still plotting the payback, you haven't forgiven, okay? 
Uh, you can't go the tit for tat. You can't do that. Well, I'll do you one worse. You know, that's not forgiveness. Then next, we have to meditate and think about how God has forgiven us and cultivate a grateful attitude. And then, like I did when I was in that situation, we have to choose to bless and pray for the offender. We have to bless and pray for them. Romans 12, 14 says, bless those that curse you. Bless them. Maybe they've done something really bad and it's really hurt you. We have to bless them. The quickest way to get over anger and unforgiveness toward anyone, the quickest way to get over it is to pray for them every day and pray whatever it is you want for yourself, pray that for them. Pray that God would just open every door. Pray that God would shower blessings on them. Pray that God would, would make all their deals work out right and just start praying whatever it is you want for yourself and a blessing. Pray that over that person. Say, I don't want to pray for him. Pray for him anyway. It's, it's called a sacrifice. And what you're doing is you're allowing God, as you do that, you're exercising your faith and you're taking the tentacles of what they did you're allowing the Holy Spirit to pull those things out of your heart. And as they get pulled out of your heart, you know what happens? After a while, you're not even angry at the person and you still pray for them and, this, and by now you actually mean it. Right? You actually mean that you want them to be blessed. Because all the tentacles and all the pain, all the effects of those wrong things they did, God has healed your heart and you're able to forgive. And you know what that is? That's God's kingdom come and God's will be done because there's no unforgiveness in heaven. We have to trust God to give us the grace to forgive. Now, while we were in worship, um, while we were in worship, the, the Lord um, put something on my heart. And there, there's a couple people here that specifically... There's a couple people here that there is a family member that has done something very hurtful to you and you, you have tried to forgive them. Honestly, I know, I'm sitting over here and the Lord just downloaded this thing to me. You've tried to, honestly, in your heart, you have tried to forgive them. However, at this point in time, you are still suffering with the pain of what this person has caused you. And you're tonight, you're hearing this, and you say, I, I know what part I'm missing. I'm not praying and blessing that person. And if that's you, would, be, would you be so bold as to just show me your hand? If that's you, I see one right there. I see another one and another one. You say, that's the part I'm missing, that I need to bless that person. Because when you release blessings, oh, when you release blessings and you say that and you bless them, you know what you're doing? You are acting just like God because you know what Jesus, he blessed those and he did not revile when they cursed him. It's just like what Jesus did. When they were stoning Stephen in the book of Acts chapter seven, I believe, when they were stoning Stephen to death, you know what he said? He said, Father, don't lay this sin to their charge. He, he forgave them when they didn't ask for it. They were killing him, and he forgave them. 
He forgave them. Now, let's all just, those in particular, those that lifted your hand, but I think everyone can stand to do this. And I'm going to lead you in a, in, a, in a brief prayer here. And I want us all to, to pray this prayer, if we would, please. Say, Heavenly Father, I thank you that you have forgiven me. And as I am forgiven, I freely receive forgiveness. And I now forgive as an act of my will this person who's harmed me. I release them from any sin. I release them from my judgment. I bless them. Father, I ask you to bless them. Cause things to go well for them. And I thank you, Father, that you forgive me and that, Father, that your grace would be upon me to walk this forgiveness out until it manifests in my own heart and in emotions. In Jesus' name, amen.